So before I begin the homily, I just want to inform all of you, do a little boasting uh, for St. Joseph's. So you should be proud of the Knights of Columbus. Uh, Father Wolf and myself, we brought home a really pathetic trophy. <laughs> but we beat the other parishes. <clears throat> it was a good time. Today, uh, as we end Catholic Schools Week, the church has us turn to this beautiful reading, possibly the most known reading in the Bible amongst Christians. And the reason I say that is because it's read so often. In St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it's his hymn to love. And it kind of, you know, makes you feel good when you hear it. So really kind of, you know, like, yeah, 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 I should love like that. I should. And then we don't. Like we hear it and we know it and we feel it deep in our bones and we're just like, oh, it's like poetic. It's just love poetry. And it's exactly, we know that's exactly what love is. But then we fail to live it. And there's two problems with this reading. First of all, it's not nice at all. It's basically impossible to live. And second, it has nothing to do with marriage. I find that hilarious. Wedding couples choose it all the time. And if you look at the context of the reading, it has nothing to do with marriage. It's not love poetry. It's a rebuke. Paul is mad. You know, you kind of picture this, <laughs> right? He's talking about love. It's like, no, listen to me. Love is patient. Love is kind, right? Okay, Paul, settle down, buddy. We got you. You have to understand the context, though, of why he's upset and why he's telling them about love and define it in such a, yes, a very beautiful way. Corinth is in modern-day Greece. But Greece used to be split into two uh, different sections. The north was called Macedonia, the south was called Achaia. In the south, the capital of Achaia was not Athens, as it is in modern-day Greece. The capital was Corinth. And Corinth was a big city, it was a wealthy city, but above all, it was extremely sensual. In fact, if in the time of Paul, if you referred to a woman as a Corinthian, you were not referring to a very nice thing. I could explain it, but I probably shouldn't in church. I think you get what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Extremely sensual. And it was a terribly morally corrupt city as well. The church, however, in Corinth was extremely gifted. It was loaded with gifts. And we hear about this when he says the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues. And he goes on and on and on about all these gifts. But the church is a mess as well. The Christians are openly committing adultery and other sexual sins. There are people who openly deny the resurrection who are Christians. There are those who come drunk to Mass. I'm not making this up. You can read this. It's, it's right prior to what we heard today in the, in the letter to the Corinthians. The result of this is divisions, rivalries, cliques, factions, competition. It's a mess. And in the wake of all that, St. Paul is writing to them and saying basically this. So what? You got all these gifts. So what? You've forgotten the most important one, which is love. And if you don't have that, you got nothing. Your church is a big show. But on the inside, you're all empty. You can have everything in the world, all the gifts, all the talents, all the possessions. 
If you don't have love, you have nothing. It's been said that love is hard, but with enough work that you can achieve it. That's foolish. In the biblical sense, what we heard today, love is not just hard work. Love in the biblical sense is impossible. It's impossible. And the kicker is, we know that that's the type of love we want, but we can't give it to each other. It's really interesting. Did you know in marriage, I'm going to ask you a question. I haven't done this for a while. In marriage, do you know what the ring symbolizes? Do you know what the ring symbolizes? Infinite, good. See, if you want, if you want, I didn't plant that either. If you want an example of why you should send your kids to St. Joseph's School right there, clap for that kid. We got married people that are like, I don't know. <laughs> it symbolizes, yes, eternity. So the idea that marriage is forever, right? It's, for, it's until death do us part. But there's a deeper symbol too. When you give the ring, it says, John, receive this ring as a sign of my love and fidelity. Love and fidelity. John, I want to give you this. I, want, I know the love and fidelity I want to give to you. But here's the problem, John. I can't give it to you. So receive this ring as a sign of my love and fidelity, not in my name, but in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The only way that you get the love that Paul is talking about in your marriage, in your life, is if God gives it to you. If you become a conduit. If he works in you to push love to the world. It's amazing. But we miss it so much. And why? Because of our egos. Because we take shortcuts. Because we know the asking price of love. And we just don't pay it. And I say we, I'm with you too. I was praying about this. And the Lord kind of was giving me some stuff here. And he said, you realize that they're going to, while you're preaching about this, they're going to say, so how do you get it? <laughs> and you got to give them something. And there was a story in my life that came up. And I want to tell you this story. Because the way that you get divine love into your life is you ask for it. I know that sounds like that it can't be that easy. It is that easy. You have to invite Jesus into every single situation that goes on in your life. But the problem is, when we get into most situations, we just start having an interior dialogue. We start talking with ourselves. Instead of immediately relating it to Jesus. And say, Jesus, I can't do anything here. I need you. Help me. I know it sounds simple. It's supposed to be simple. Prayer is simple. So in my own life, so I was on this three-week, <clears throat> three-and-a-half week. I was going all over the, the United States. I, had a, I was visiting seminaries. I, had, uh, I was a, a speaking engagement. I was a, a retreat director. I was all over the place, and I pushed it all together, which is a stupid idea. Don't ever do that. He goes, you're on the road forever. And so by the time I was getting home, it was Thanksgiving Eve. Okay, so the day before Thanksgiving, Wednesday, and I flew into Minneapolis and I got into Minneapolis when I landed. There was a blizzard. We barely landed. And uh, I was like, I'm not getting home. There's just no way. 
And then our plane got delayed from Minneapolis to Bismarck. And when a plane gets delayed in a blizzard, it's awful. Finally, the guy gets on the mic and he's like, folks, I just got word from the the tower. He's like, this plane, we're going to get her in, landed. We're going to get everybody off, get you all in and get you home in time for Thanksgiving. And everybody starts cheering, right? Like, I'm high-fiving guys I don't even know. I'm like, hey, isn't this great? This is awesome. And then plane pulls up, everybody gets off. And all of a sudden, the pilot gets off. And I'm like, if we're just going to turn this plane right around, why is the pilot getting off? And he's like talking to the gate agent. You can just see the gate agent's face just like. And he's like, folks, apparently because of the storm, the pilot has logged too many hours. And he can't fly this plane. We have to cancel your flight. And I've often said, if there were stones in the gate area, we would have stoned this man to death. I mean, people were like wailing. Like, oh, you know, like, so one guy's like, I can't believe Delta's ruining my Thanksgiving, you know, and I was like, I just want to be like, buddy, listen, Delta's ruining everybody's, not just yours, okay? But I didn't, and I, again, I don't tell you this story because like, oh, Father Waltz has it together, I don't, I'm a fool, but every once in a while I get it right. So immediately I just said, Jesus, I, there's nothing I can do about this, just help me to receive your love here. And to see you in this chaotic situation. And then I took off running as fast as I could to get in front of everybody to get reticketed. <clears throat> and I am booking, man. Because it's, I mean, you know there's flights being canceled everywhere. So that line is going to be long. And I got on the, I don't know what you call them. I call them the walkalator, right? They're, they're escalators on the floor. <laughs> so we can float along. We're that lazy at this point. But when you're running, you can double time on those bad boys. And I was booking and running, and all of a sudden I saw up to my right, there was this guy, and he was in a wheelchair, and he had like half fallen out of this wheelchair. And, and he, couldn't, he couldn't get himself back into it. You know, he's just struggling, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, you would think there's somebody with a good enough heart in this airport to help that guy, you know? <laughs> Gotta get reticketed. <laughs> and I'm still running. And I run, and I'm like, you know, now he's really close. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. People are just walking around him. Nobody is going to sit. This is a pathetic airport. There's got to be a Christian somewhere. <laughs> and I got off of the walkalator, and I, it was like I ran into a wall. Just stopped me dead in my tracks. And it, the Lord just simply said to me, not out loud or anything, but just internally, I just heard, Good Samaritan. And I stopped dead in my church, Good Samaritan. And I remembered in the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember the guy is injured and he's, he, he's really hurt. He's been beat up by robbers. And people are walking around him. And guess who walks around him in the story? The priest. And I was like, ow. Oh, I'm the guy. <laughs> Dang it. And you're also like, I'm telling you this because I mean it's not... These aren't easy all the time. I'm walking over to him like, I'm, now I'm not getting home until like December, you know? And I get up to him and I, I come up and I'm like, hey, buddy, how you doing? And this is like the sweetest man I have ever met in my life. And he was like, hey, I just fell out of my chair. I'm like, yeah, I see that. I was like, can I help? He's like, that would be great. So I'm like helping him get up and we kind of get him situated. And he's like putting, you know, his belt or his strap on to keep him in the chair. And I grab him on the shoulders and I was like hey brother have a happy Thanksgiving and he's looking at and he looked up now 
You can say I'm crazy, whatever, I don't care. I don't know how this works theologically, but I know for a fact that I was looking right into the face of Jesus himself. And he looked at me, this penetrating gaze, and he was like, thank you. And I just kind of like backed up. Like I was just like, man, I felt so, like love was just like pouring into me, out of me, into him. Like it was, I was like, why don't I do this all the time? You know, and then you, I feel like I'm just like floating. And then I realized I was on the walkalators. <laughs> no ecstasy or anything. <clears throat> and as I'm on it, all of a sudden I hear over the loudspeaker, Delta Flight 4886 has been reinstated to Bismarck, North Dakota. Please return to your gate. And I'm like, no way. Now, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. If you do good things, good things are going to happen to you. But I am preaching this. If you invite Jesus into every situation that you get into, he will work. And he will work profoundly. But we have to be aware and we have to ask for it all the time. As I was going back, I was sure, like, I got back on the walk later going back to my gate. And I was sure that the guy had disappeared. <laughs> right? He didn't. He, he was still there. And I looked at him and he looked at me and we made eye contact and he smiled, and he winked, and he kind of just nodded his head. And I was just like, no way. All because I got out of my own little egotistical kingdom for like a split second. And divine love shattered into the moment. That is what we're called to. That is what all of us are called to. Because guys, in the end, it's all that matters. That's why Paul says, he ends it by saying, in the end, there are only three things that really matter. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Why is the greatest of these love? Because when you get to heaven, God willing, faith and hope, they're gone. The only thing that endures unto eternity is love. It should be our game plan for life. It should be everything to us. God working in us. And as we close Catholic Schools Week, I would like to remind all of you that what I just preached on is taught right over there. The most important thing that your children can receive is taught right over there. In the end, it's all that matters. Not their state titles. Not their grades. Not their diplomas. But do they know how to love? Do they know? Don't just be enamored by the beauty of Paul's hymn to love today. Don't listen to it here and walk out there and walk away from the challenge. Live it. Study it. Practice it. Cultivate it. But more than anything, beg God for it every single day. And divine love will conquer the hearts of every person that you meet. Because in the end, the only thing that matters is love.